very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. And to listen to tonight's full interview, you know what to do by now. Just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. You'll get your login immediately. Give yourself the gift of truth. And if you want to be a guest... You're all whistleblower, or simply you want to write to me. Just go to our website and click on the contact button. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Despite what many critics and debunkers say, there's an enormous amount of circumstantial evidence that supports the reality of UFOs. Given the amount of circumstantial evidence, it seems that fear is one of the primal driving forces behind much of the debunking and skepticism. What would happen if the public really knew we were faced with aliens claimed to be 20 to 25,000 years ahead of us? If they wanted to destroy us, they would have already done so. If their motive is not to destroy us, then what? Tonight's special guest is retired U.S. Air Force Captain Robert M. Collins, and he wants you to know how extensive the government's UFO cover-up really is and just how much UFO information remains exempt from disclosure. Robert Collins was career Air Force serving in the fields of avionics, ground communications, engineering physics, and intelligence at the Foreign Technology Division at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, gaining an in-depth understanding of all the career fields. After 22 years, he left public service to pursue the subject of UFOs full-time living on an Air Force retirement, supplemented by odd jobs. In his many adventures within the Air Force, he was turned on to the world of UFOs by Ernie Kellerstrass in 1985. Ernie was a retired Air Force lieutenant colonel who worked at the FTD until retiring. After performing some research, he concluded that the government UFO cover-up was real. I went to great lengths to uncover the cover-up, which spanned over 60 years. Robert Collins is the co-author, along with Rick Adotti, of the book titled Exempt from Disclosure, The Black World of UFOs. And to learn more about Robert and his work, visit his website at ufoconspiracy.com, which is also linked at ours. And directly from Dayton, Ohio, I would like to welcome retired Air Force Captain Robert M. Collins. Hello, Mr. Collins, and welcome to Veritas. Oh, thank you, Mel. And how have you been this lately? Excellent. Thank you so much for 
coming to the show in such a short notice. We just spoke a few days ago, and we had to get this done. And just for the folks to know, I'm conducting this interview outside of the country, so the sound quality may not be as pristine as usual. So hopefully everything will be okay, and we won't be monitored as usual. May I call you Robert, by the way? Oh, absolutely. Uh, enjoy that name, or Michael's uh, an option, and uh, you know I can live with both. That's on my birth certificate, so you're free to use them. Fair enough. And uh, you begin the book, Robert, with John F. Kennedy's speech about secret societies, which we include at the beginning of our of every show that we conduct. Just a, a portion. The very word secrecy is repugnant. In a free and open society, the listeners know this very well. Why did you include this speech in your book? For the same reason I included it uh, in every interview? Oh, well, there, there's a very good reason. I don't know about you or any of your listeners, but I, uh, I had the utmost admiration for John F. Kennedy. I thought he's one, probably one of the greatest presidents in U.S. history uh, with a few others. And uh, his speeches reflect uh, the, uh, you know, the feelings within many Americans that there be open, free government, not all the secrecy and uh, closed uh, meetings and closed sessions that uh, we all know about, which, which don't, are never out in the open and never in the public. So uh, that's the reason I included that. Same thing with me, same thing with me, although I was not born at the time he was uh, killed. I have learned a lot about his his presidency, and although some people doubt of all the things that happened, uh, I think that he was obviously killed for multiple reasons. In your research, why do you think he was killed? Uh, well, you know, I, I don't want to sit there and 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 say... It was probably for a number of reasons, and one is because of uh, the more popular ones is because of the failed Cuban invasion and leaving those men on the beach. That was one one reason cited. Uh, another one was that he wanted to dismantle the CIA. That was the second consideration. And the third thing, well, you know, it may be the third thing or it could be the fourth thing, was uh, this uh, UFO alien stuff. And that the fact that the Serpo operation was supposedly started when he was president in 61. The training for the Serpo operation started in 61 and went on to 65 after Kennedy was dead. And that's when they supposedly departed for the planet and then came back in 1978. So are you giving credit, uh, credence to the Project Serpo story? Oh, well, yeah, from, from but the solid concrete information, not the stuff that you see posted up on the Serpo website or in that Serpo book, which is taken from the website, 90% of that is just complete garbage. Well, you know, Len Kasten wrote a book, and uh, I had to tell him that that was the reason I didn't want to pursue the interview when he came to us asking to be interviewed, because I also concur with you that is just a fiction However, you're saying there's a true story behind Serpo. Can you just briefly mention what you deem to be true? Uh, the, the the true story is cited in the exempt book in the back of the very back of the book. I think I think you've seen it, haven't you? Yes, yes, I have. Where it talks about uh, twelve members, and 
the the composition of eight males and four females, or is it six males? It varies depending on – there are subtle variations depending on what, what you're reading sometimes because the story can vary a little bit. Even the core story can vary a little bit because we don't have a concrete government document in front of us. Now, let's proceed now with the book. Now, when we think of, of alien technology, if all the source stories are true, then we have large quantities of recovered alien technology hidden away, waiting for the time for our technology to catch up to theirs. If true, Robert, that, does the U.S. government have some type of agreement that gives the alien visitors something for what we are supposedly receiving from them? Um, I've heard that. I've heard that story before. I mean, <laughs> uh, geez, I, I get so frustrated with a lot of the stuff I read up on the internet with claims about this and claims about that, and uh, there there is there is no proof of any such agreement. What there is is what from what we, of course what we get from sources is that we've got a uh, uh, there's a moving. Let, let me put it this way. Supposedly, there's the amount of documentation re recovered or written or done would fill up a Mayflower moving van from front to back, top to bottom, a full-size one. And uh, that's just the documentation. The, the recovered hardware and other things uh, make up huge warehouses at Los Alamos. Underground, of course, very compartmentalized and kept very secret. And a lot of that uh, hardware has been farmed out to the contractors, the government contractors, which they keep locked up in their own warehouses or vaults, so waiting for our technology to catch up so that they can reverse engineer it. In other words, it's money-driven. The whole thing is money-driven. And, uh, and, and it's being kept secret from other scientists, technicians, and engineers uh so that the there's there's a very there's an extreme element of greed in this thing uh so that these contractors can get the monopoly and reverse of course you know the potential is they can make billions of dollars from this stuff uh and sell it to to a public as some high technology which we don't have at this point so it's very it's become corrupted sort of like the, the government in Washington. Uh, things have gotten corrupted. It's gone on for so long. The denial has gone on for so long that things just start to go downhill. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And it doesn't get any better. And what Reagan wanted to do back in the 80s, because I was under the Reagan Disclosure Program, is he wanted public disclosure for this stuff and get it out in the public domain. If you get this technology out in the public domain, You've got all those scientists, you've got all those engineers that can help in reverse engineering this stuff and actually put it into commercial use, but it doesn't belong to a certain company or corporation or government entity. It belongs to everybody. Plus, it gives plausible deniability to the government when the technology comes out on a slow drip process, and it's supposedly from private firms, but doesn't it also exempt the government from FOIA requests? If, if, if I'm, say, Lieutenant uh, Corso, uh, Colonel Corso, and I give, say, AT&T fiber optic technology from reverse engineer crash retrievals and say in 10 years you can just roll it out and say you 
discovered or you manufactured it. Doesn't this also give the government exemption from FOIA since it's in private firms? Um, uh, yet, yes and no. I, I can't really – I don't know how to answer that. Uh, all I can say is the government now, the FOIA, the FOIA process now is, is, a, is it's like we went back to the 19th century. It, the FOIA process <laughs> yeah. in the 80s, in the 80s and 90s was terrific because you could put in a FOIA request and get things. You can't do that anymore. This government has become so secretive, and Obama's become—I uh, call him a weasel. Uh, he's so—he micromanages everything. Everything gets micromanaged. Uh, I don't know your politics, but that—that that micromanagement is a sure sign of liberal Democrats. Because they will try to micromanage everything. And I just don't mean UFO recovered UFO uh, hardware or software or, I'm sorry, software uh, or whatever, or books or documentation or whatever they have. That, that is everything. Everything, the social programs, everything is being micromanaged. Right down to the T's and the I's. Um, what happened so to the, the transparent? What happened to the transparency he promised at the that, beginning right, of his trial? Right. Well, they they claim they claim they're transparent, but uh, we know where that is. So things have gone from bad to worse, and and the world political situation in Iraq, the Ukraine, ISIS, uh, instead of doing what was supposed to be done, it's not being done. And it just seems like there's a kind of slow decay of a of of a uh, of a moral process that just seems to be going down instead of up. I have to ask you this question at the beginning of the interview: Are UFO investigators someone's enemy? And if so, what strategies are being used against them, and for what reason? Well, right now, the, 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 you know, I, I say to people, we don't need disinformation. We got the public. And uh, I've never seen so much nonsense. And, uh, you know, the Amazon, up in Amazon, if you look at, the, at these UFO books and which ones are moving, the $2.99 books are the ones that are being sold. They're, they're, they're selling like crazy because the kids are buying them right. because they're cheap. They're not reliable. They're just cheap. And they're selling like crazy, and all the mainstream stuff is just sitting there. It's not moving at all. It's just stagnant. Uh, but this is what the, 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 the Amazon is, seems to be taken over by kids. And it's the kids that are doing all the purchasing and everything else, and that's what Amazon is catering to. So all the, all the good books that were being sold are now just sitting there, And it's the cheap, shoddy books like the Serpo book or the Burrish Dan Crane book are just selling like crazy. They are selling like crazy. I always tell the story that a few years ago went, uh, uh, a couple died in Tucson. And I basically inherited a lot of what they left behind in terms of books. And it was probably every book written in about the topic since the early 50s all the way to the late 80s. You are you hardly... talking about the Lorenzans? Lorenzans or some... Are you talking about the Lorenzans or something or somebody else? No, I, th I think that was their last name. So you knew them. I didn't know them. I knew of them. Bill Moore knew okay. them. Okay. Yeah, Bill okay. Bill Moore knew them. Or Jamie, Jamie knew them, but I didn't know them. And other people knew them, but I, I sure... I never met them. 
Well, they, they, somebody called me saying that uh, the husband died, that the wife was ready to pass away, and they said, hey, they want to leave this behind with somebody who, who's going to use this information. And uh, I have a lot of those books, and it's very difficult to find them at Amazon. And a lot of that information were written by great, great researchers of the time. And, and even though we have some sure. good researchers these days, there's a lot of, I hate to say it, folks, but a lot of BS being put out out maybe to brainwash the new the the newest generation uh well i don't know i, I you know you, i can suspect that but i sure i can't prove it all i know is that's what's happening that is what's happening it's uh it's the garbage and the junk that seems to be selling and every out everything else is just stagnant it just sits and i noticed that the amount of <laughs> See, I don't know who has control here. The amount of UFO reports and UFO sightings has gone way down too. You notice notice that? I I noticed that. Why do you think that is? Okay, okay. Well, I well I think there's a correlation here, <laughs> and I I don't know. See, I don't know what that White House is doing. I don't know what Obama's doing. I don't know if these critters. I call we call them critters. I don't know if these critters are listening to what Washington is saying and just keeping quiet because Washington wants to keep them quiet or they're just doing it on their own. See, I don't, I don't know that connection. I don't have that connection there. But I suspect that something is going on and we don't know what it is. Now, let's get to the meat of things here. I've, ha I've had the opportunity of being in the same room with uh, Someone who you know, of course, Dr. C.B. Scott Jones, Dr. John Alexander, and some others you mentioned in your book. Right. Let's talk about the, the aviary. For those who may not be aware of this group, who was part of it, and what was the purpose of this division or group? Uh, well, it, it, it started in 85. No, actually, actually, uh, the contacts, my contacts started in 85. And I got a hold of Bill Moore in '85, and then we started having getting together and having meetings. Okay, we'd have meetings with Ernie Kellerstrauss, and we we met in a park. What's well, it's described in the book? We met in a park. We had a meeting, one meeting in a park, right here in Dayton, Ohio, uh, and then we had another meeting at Ernie's house with his wife, and she cooked dinner for us. Uh, Alexander was at Scott Jones was there. Alexander was there, and I was there. Bill Moore was there, and Jamie was there. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, um, yeah, Jamie. Okay, I've got them all. Those were those were the ones at the dinner, and the ones at the park where Seligman, where we had we met with Seligman for that UFO cover up live show. We did that in the park in Dayton here. Um. And we had we set that initial. Uh, uh, Seligman wanted to to talk to Doty, and he wanted to talk uh, to Ernie, and he and Ernie. See, this thing is strange thing about Ernie. Ernie had a had a counterintelligence person with him. We didn't understand why does Ernie have a counterintelligence person with him? Ernie's out of the Air Force; he's retired. Why is counterintelligence with Ernie? That didn't make any sense. So, but anyhow, Seligman met with these and looked at all the credentials and verified that these people were who they say they were. And that's when we got the process going for the UFO cover-up show in, in November, was it October? October 88. Or I think it was November. I have to look, but I'm not exactly sure. Uh, 
uh, that's 26 years ago. Uh, but, uh, uh, but that's how it got started with that meeting in the park. Thank you for listening to unlock the full two hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more subscribe to Veritas plus now gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com because you don't want to believe you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.